let's open the ancient book to 2 Timothy 2, verses 14 through 19. 2 Timothy 2, verses 14 through 19. As we continue in this series called The Race, how we, how we run the race faithfully with God, how we run the race and represent Him in His name. 2 Timothy 2, 14 through 19, and this is the very Word of God that we get fresh off the page this morning. Verse 14, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened from the dead. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands. Bearing this seal, the Lord knows who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Don't you hate it when somebody comes to you and they say this sentence, I've got good news And I've got bad news. I mean, I I don't know about y'all, but I hate it when someone comes with the the good news, bad news dilemma. Now, I want to do a little survey this morning. I've always wanted to do this. Uh, But, you know, the, the question is, which would you like to have first? All of you who want the bad news first, raise your hand. Yeah, me too. That's what I thought. Anybody that wants the good news first, raise your hand outstanding (laughs) you really are certifiably weird you know that josh (laughs) why do we want the the bad news first because we're hoping the good news will repair us after the bad news we're hoping that the the net algebra of bad and good news will kind of at least equal out and we're going to take the bad news first well paul is giving us the bad news first today he's got bad news and he's got good news for us And the bad news is about words that hurt. And the good news is about words that heal. And we're going to have to choose whether we're going to spend most of our time and most of our focus in our lives, I'm talking about, imbibing, swimming in, living in, reproducing words that hurt, or taking in and living in and giving out words that heal words that hurt verse 14 remind them of these things and charge them before god not to quarrel about words which do no good but only ruins the hearers these are words that ruin the hearers so this is the the notion of quote quarreling over words what does it mean quarreling over words it means that, that sometimes as followers of Jesus, we have a tendency 
to get really hung up on secondary things that are not primary, that are not the main things laid out in the Scriptures, laid out about Jesus Christ and about our life in Him, and we get hung up on those secondary things, and it can be very confusing. I mean, can you see a a new believer kind of watching two more mature believers spend most of their their time and passion on stuff that's secondary. You know, it's yeah, it's great, 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 great that you understand forgiveness in the cross, but, but what you really got to understand is the mode of baptism. You know, what, what you really got to understand is what true worship is and whether organs are pianos or whether it's all hymns or no hymns. And these are the important things. Sometimes we talk like these are the important things and that is Paul's point and you know uh, somebody that's just kind of thinking that really this is about Jesus and God's grace and living in it together and 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 living in the truth and and love of God and being on mission together in community that might be a little confusing when we spend all our times on organs and pianos Paul says In verse 23, just down the way from where we are, have nothing to do with ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. We can tend to uh, do this with vehemence. You know, when you when you read, there's all these all these surveys about the church and kind of the people that are not in the church and their viewpoint on the church. Are you all familiar with some of these? And then there's like the generational surveys of, of what millennials think about the church and what generation Xers think of all this, this stuff. But uh, one of the things that keeps popping up on the list and, and uh, of lots of people that, that they don't like about the church is their perception, at least, of an uncharitable emphasis on secondary things uncharitable even it's like why would i want to be with this group of people that are just arguing with each other all the time to the point that it divides and y'all paul's words are are these this is big uh this is a turn off for people it, it turned paul off too we can teach about baptism we should it's in the word of god we can teach about the meaning of baptism we can teach about worship in spirit and truth and and the meaning of true worship uh, we can teach about engagement in the world and even in the political sphere but you don't necessarily have to have a certain subset with a name named by human beings to be a functioning christian following jesus you see and sometimes we're guilty of that as well uh, it, it is it ruins the hearers It's an attitude that leaves what is most important behind, which are the building blocks and the true nourishment of our lives together. And and there's an ocean of truth that is of primary importance that we are yet to learn. We are yet to learn how to love. We are yet to understand the, the depths of God's beauty and sovereignty and power and wonder and and these things we are yet to understand what true community of the brothers and sisters actually means or looks like and the bible teaches us these things paul is saying 
Folks, people stray away from the truth. There are people who used to be here. There are people that used to take communion here that are just out there now. People stray away. And kind of it starts sometimes with quarrelsome, secondary, peripheral things that don't matter as much. Paul says, remind them this, not to, to quarrel about words because it ruins people. Verse 14, the Greek word for ruin there, catastrophe. <laughs> what, what English word does catastrophe remind you of? A catastrophe. Quarreling about words is a catastrophe for people. And for the church. The next is what Paul calls irreverent babble or irreverent chatter. Verse 16, but also avoid irreverent babble for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness and their talk will spread like gangrene. I mean, just the fact that I just read the word gangrene. It's, really, it's just interesting. You don't read the word gangrene very often. That's bad. You know, gangrene, how your skin starts to die and it spreads and you start losing fingers and toes and, and hands and arms and everything else. That's, that's how serious this is about these words that hurt, these words of disease, these words that, that, that hurt our souls. We live in an age that is just characterized by irreverent babble, chatter, chatter, chatter about everything and anything, opinions about everything and, and anything among believers and among unbelievers. One scholar states, unfortunately, we live in an age of the radical democratization of opinion. Few are prepared to listen to authorities anymore whether they are living authorities or dead authorities. Why? Because we live in this world where everybody's opinion is considered equal regardless of what they say. And they are saying it. On and on and on and on. Um, because opinion is king. And pundits are more popular than teachers. I mean, don't y'all agree with this? And uh, the New Testament gives all kind of evidence. This is just our sin nature at work. What is it that doesn't that we don't want to be under some kind of authority, that we don't want to be taught? Isn't there something in our souls that asks, is there something real in the world? Yes. But we live in a time of godless chatter, of, of irreverent chatter. And living by opinion leads us to letting loose of the truth and it says that all these opinions and then you being empowered to have your own opinion independent of the word of god whatever you want to make christianity to be whatever you want to make anything to be that is what leads to more and more ungodliness that's what that's what paul says and so there's there's any lack of of authoritative truth i mean truth in itself has kind of a presupposition that it's true independent of a person's opinion. Something's either, either true or it's not. The sky is, I don't know what color it is, kind of milky white, or the sky is, I don't know, chartreuse. 
both of these can't be true right now. Oh, yes, I feel that it's chartreuse. It doesn't matter what you feel. Is there truth in the world and do we need it? And, and living in the realm of opinion, living in this hyper-democracies of, of, of all kinds of opinions and letting go of truth, this is deadly. It's the same in the first century. You know, this was polytheism. This was Athens. This was the, the Rome. This was where all the, the philosophies were just rife. And it was amazing. It's a free-for-all. You know, I remember the, the first days of the Internet. Yes, I am that old. I remember the first cell phones and all that, too. I don't remember the first TVs. I want you to know that. But uh, in the first days of the Internet, you know, it was this, this thing called a modem that made these horrible squeaking sounds. It took like five minutes to connect to the Internet. And then what you got was what was called America Online or AOL. And AOL had this special area for Christians, or and really anybody that wanted to, it was a it was a place where you could debate theology. It was called a chat room, and you kind of go into this chat room. You don't see anybody, and people are typing. You know, I think God is really nice, and somebody else is saying that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. And then then somebody else is typing, and, and it's just totally. I mean, it's just a dumpster fire. After an hour, I thought, what is this? What is this? This is just an argument happening right now that's not building up anybody's faith. You don't even know who these people are typing. Now, the Internet must be the least elegant medium of communication ever invented. It is the least accountable mode of communication ever invented and the least charitable. It's a free-for-all. Chat room theology is bad theology. This is where we get the theology that God himself has given us. What I would liken it to today, and, and Lee Hutchings and I were talking about this, and I said, I need a young guy, you know, to help me understand what this is like today. And we, we, we both decided it's kind of like the comment section underneath any article. Y'all read the comment section? It, it is. It, he call, he's the one that coined the, the, the term. It's, I mean, it's just a dumpster fire. I mean, it's just a mishmash of anything and everything, and it is so ugly and repulsive. I guess that's why we read it. We just want to watch it burn, I guess. I mean, I'm like, I'm not getting in there. With my, I'm not typing in there. You know, because there's just really no reason to. It's just this dumpster fire. Um, you know, we, we, the, the church should not be a dumpster fire. People in the church should not just live by their own opinions. We should not get our theology from this cultural dumpster fire. But the body of Christ living under the Word of God. I mean, you understand how politically incorrect this sermon is look if this sermon were printed on the internet there would be people like creating a dumpster fire on me right now like who are you to say that i should be under the word of god who are you to suggest that there's any real truth in the world well i i am a follower of jesus christ under the holy scriptures 
which I believe are inspired, God-breathed, and authoritative over all of life. That's who I am. got to be living under and living into the words that heal. Verse 17, he names names. Did y'all notice that? Paul names names. He says, Hymenaeus and Philetus. He's like naming names. They have swerved from the truth, from what we have taught, a standard of truth. These guys have swerved from the truth, saying that the bodily resurrection, he's talking about when, when we die and one day when our bodies are raised and join our spirits in the new heaven and new earth and, and there's this wonderful unity of body and, and, and spirit before the Lord and, and living a brand new life together, which is going to happen. It's, they, it says that they, 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 they deny, that, they say that the resurrection has already happened, that it's just kind of spiritual, it's not real, and that's upsetting the faith of some. Why is he naming names? Because these people have gotten a foothold. These people have influence. Paul is saying, stay away from them. I mean, how, how politically incorrect is Paul? Stay away from, from Hymenaeus and from Philetus because they have swerved from the truth. And they are harming the faith of many. Uh, just a little, just to kind of give you a little explanation. Gnosticism starts with a G, G N O S T, ism, Gnosticism. Um, it it kind of means that uh, spirit, like spirit, ethereal, mystical, is good and body is bad. And so the idea that Jesus actually would take a body, would God, pure spirit, would come down here and take a body? No way. See, that's, that's denying the bodily crucifixion of Jesus. That Jesus, would, the Son of God, would have a body and raise from... No, that didn't really happen. And look, once we're in heaven, we're with pure spirit. Why do we need this ugly body? Why, we, why do you see it's just awful? Well, you know what Paul says in 2 Corinthians uh, 1 Corinthians 15, he says, if we don't have the resurrection, we're still in our sins. We're to be pitied more than everybody else in the whole world, world because we're believing in something that's not real. If Jesus didn't really raise from the dead, and if we, like Jesus, will also be raised from the dead. Stay away from them, he says. So what we have are words that hurt. We kind of have this quarreling about words and this, these secondary things when we could really be building each other up in the faith once delivered to the apostles. And then we, we have this, this notion of, the, of this kind of irreverent babbling and everybody being an expert and there not being any truth and how, how people are led away and how they just kind of live their lives the way they want to as opposed to living under the truth. These are words that hurt. Some people call that freedom. I want you to know if you follow that, it will be called pain. It will be called pain because we can't be our own God and love people and live well in this world. We need God and the one who has loved our souls. So how how shall we then live? That's the good news. God's given us the words that heal. Words that hurt. Words that heal. Verse 15. 
Remember, this book is Paul basically about to go off the scene. And the big question is, how, how are we going to live without the apostles in the church? And the answer is, Paul is training Timothy and others are being trained so that when the apostles are all off the scene, there will be people that revere and, and, and teach well out of the word of God. And that has happened ever since that time. I trust until right now in this pulpit. I trust this is right in the line of this apostolic tradition of the, of the, the faith once given to the apostles. Verse 15, do your best, Timothy. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A workman or a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. The good news is there are, God has spoken. There are words that heal the human soul. There are are words that give all that we need. Words you can count on, words you can bank your life on, words from God himself, the word of God himself. And ta- Paul tells Timothy, and, th- and I cannot stress the importance of this, you understand that in the church you're not just supposed to have anybody just stand up and start giving opinions. For those of you who are visiting Highlands today, one of the things you might have already noticed, but if you had been been here on through we're, we're going through a, a book of scripture and it is verse by verse these sermons will come out of the text i'm not going to make them up and try to try to squeeze them into a text what we believe here is that god's children god's sheep need to be fed the word of god I'm not saying all my theology is perfect, please. And I'm certainly not saying I'm perfect. Those of you who know me know that I'm not. I know that when I get to heaven, there are parts of my theology that are going to be straightened out. Like anybody else here. But I pledge to you, along with the other pastors on the staff, and along with the elders, along with those who teach, that we will be diligent to be people who are approved. Approved by God and to preach in the presbyterian church of america in america you have to be approved by something called the presbytery and trust me it is very strict and you got to pass written exams and you got to pass oral exam that doesn't make you a godly pastor that doesn't make you a movement leader of the gospel or anything like that i'm just not trying to say that but but we got to have some confidence that we can put our lives under the word of god and this is what Paul is telling Timothy. Timothy, you be one of those people, though you are a sinner, who loves God, who loves God's Word, is always leaning forward into God's Word. You be a growing Christian that you can feed others so they can grow too. And so that you can be a worker who has no need to be ashamed. Paul tells Timothy, present himself as approved in the Scriptures. And one who communicates God's truth rather than man's truth or man's opinion. Even though the person proclaiming it, Timothy in this case, risks being disagreed with, risks at this time being persecuted, got to be willing to not cave to make people happy like people-pleasing. Got to be willing, big test, got to be willing to say what God's word says in a loving, 
careful and redemptive way. Don't back off of the Word of God and you will be disagreed with and you will be persecuted, but you will never be ashamed. You understand that? You'll never have to be ashamed. He is to please God rather than please men by telling them not what they want to hear, but what they need to hear, the words that heal. Uh, Young Timothy, like Paul, is to rightly handle the word of truth. Rightly handle. Now, some of y'all may have memorized this scripture in the King James Version. It says, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that kind of comes out of the language here. And there's all kind of things. It literally means to cut straight. You know, like, like a farmer who wants to, to, to make really straight rows to plant and to see fruit and harvest come. Uh, like maybe some, some people say it's like a, a Roman engineer, like their roads were amazing. You know, they're like highways, highway about the size of a sidewalk, but what they called highways. And, uh, man, it was amazing how, how, how very careful they were about cutting a road through the countryside straight where it could be straight. Some people said it's like a father that has bread and he's cutting very straight slices of bread to give to his children who are hungry. I kind of like that one. Whatever it means, and it, I mean, it doesn't say exactly uh, what it's trying to illustrate here, but it means to cut straight. Timothy, cut it straight. It means real precision. It means real study. It means carefully teaching the Word of God that that we need. All Scripture, 2 Timothy 3.16, is God-breathed and useful. It's useful for all these things. You know, these are words that heal out of the scriptures they give life these are words that 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 nourish these are words that warn us yes i said warn us because we need to be warned sometime we we need interaction from heaven we need interaction from the one who is truth himself jesus said this he said man doesn't live by everything in his life that he can try to put together to try to make his life. That's what bread means in that passage. Man doesn't live by bread alone. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, said this. But what does he live by? Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. All Scripture proceeds from the mouth of God. All Scripture is God-breathed and reliable and useful, inerrant, infallible thank the lord that we don't have to live on the best opinion of the moment and i love this verse 14 keep reminding them you know timothy not only be approved by god not only be approved as one that studies and can cut the word straight and and give the bread to the children but timothy keep reminding them do y'all ever need to be reminded of things? I do. I do. And so, so we can just stay 
in this Word of God. And we can learn and we can have it reinforced and we can grow and we can learn some new and we can have reinforced what we know and it can just be a beautiful thing. Cut it straight. It'll keep my people from from being sidetracked on secondary things or sidetracked on irreverent babble that is not true. But y'all, you and I, have to see our need for the Word of God. We've got to see our need for the Word of God. And we must put ourselves under the Word of God and put ourselves under workmen who are approved, who carefully study, who carefully teach out of the text, verse by verse, line upon line, precept upon precept, so you can read it yourself, you can see it coming, you can see it in the text. There's no sleight of hands. It came out of verse 14. That's what verse 14 means. Here's how we apply it to our lives. In verse 19, Paul says, but God's firm foundation stands. Hey, look, there's going to be secondary issues. There's going to be all this. There's going to be all this babble. There's going to be all these opinions. There's going to be all these, these uh, uh, you know, statistics and, and surveys that say this. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. God's foundation, His firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows who are His and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. So i got a question for you this morning. Do you want it straight? You want it straight? That's a real important question for you and your spiritual life right now. And I don't mean just from me. Do you want it straight? In our media-dominated world, we need to develop a habit of sorting through words that hurt and taking in the words that heal, the Word of God. You know, these are fascinating times, are they not, where every opinion is regarded as equally true. If every opinion is equally true, then folks, words have no meaning. I don't know if you understand that's what that means. If every set of words are equally true to every other set of words, and there's no standard, and there's no, therefore there is no meaning. It's just what you want it to mean. And if religion is simply some private matter that we just do on our own with what we kind of feel like we might like and what we kind of feel like might be cool, that's not going to work either. There's a reason these words heal. I want you to understand as we kind of move to a close here, the reason these words heal You know, in verse 15 and 16, some scholars interpret that correctly handling um, the word here means the gospel. It's like the word about God. A lot of people feel that's what that means, not the, the whole Bible. And there's reason to interpret that passage thus. Um, But, you know, I don't think we need to worry about that. Because the Word of God is about the Gospel. The one thing we know that the Bible is about 
is about Jesus. You know, from Genesis 1-1 to Genesis 3-14, we have creation, the establishment of Adam, and then Adam and Eve in the garden, this wonderful life that they had, and then the fall from God. That's Genesis 1-1 through 3-14, and it's over. I mean, you might as well just, just not have any more scriptures. Maybe just give them a few self-help books to try to, try to live better in their misery without God because they were kicked out with God. I mean, that kind of what we do sometimes. Let's, let's get some self-help. We can, we can live a little better in our misery. But Genesis 3.15 all the way to maps on this side. That, folks, is the story of God relentlessly coming after a people. Not because they deserve it, we don't deserve it. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. We learn all about Jesus being a Jew and of the house of Judah, or the tribe of Judah and the house of David. We learn all of this. He's going to be from born in Bethlehem and all of this. And finally he shows up. That's what this Bible is about. That's why it, it doesn't matter whether it's the gospel or the word of God that we are to rightly handle, that we desperately need. This is why these are words that heal. These words are all about grace. They're all about a covenant-making and a covenant-keeping God who loves us in spite of us, who will never let us go, never leave us or forsake us, about a God who has a plan for this world, about the Son of God who, who showed up as one of us and said the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here now. The heaven has penetrated earth. That which is from above is here now. And the darkness is being pushed back through the gospel. And we get to have all of God through Jesus. And then one day we'll be in a garden again. A garden city. The new Jerusalem with the Lord Oh no, the reason these words heal is this is none other than God's word to us who loves us. And if you ever feel like the word of God is, is just kind of jerking you around, that's because God loves you. That's because you need to be jerked around a little bit. You know, you, gotta, you need to be realigned. Is it okay to open the Bible and to say, oh no, I am out of a line, alignment with God's love and God's ways for my life. And I need to repent. And I need to turn back in this grace in which I now stand. So what's it going to be for you? What's it going to be? Dare I say it? Dare I say we need an intake of the Word of God every day? Man, I'm really getting legalistic now, aren't I? Well, I'll tell you what. I'll, I'll, I'll amend that statement. I'll amend that statement. I'll say, you know, uh, on a day that you get up and you're not going to listen to the radio, you're not going to watch TV, read a newspaper, read a magazine, or be on the Internet and not have a real intake from the world, don't sweat reading the Word of God that day. But we swim in that ocean of relativism. We, 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 we abide in this world where opinion rules, where everything is permissible and nothing can be said to be wrong or be avoided other than a few things, I suppose. We need this God who pursued us all the way to salvation. 
We need this God whose hand is on our lives. Y'all, who's spoken? Who's spoken? I mean, if God came down in your keeping room and sat and said, there are a few things I want to tell you, talk to you about today. You think you'd listen if God Almighty just came down, appeared to you in your keeping room? You would say, I, I, you would say, yes, talk to me. Words that heal. We need the word of God. One more time on the statistics. They show that there is a, an incredible lack of understanding of the word of God in the church. Over half the church now does not consider this the sole word of God. This is just one of the words. Over half the church. This is one of the words of God. Meaning other scriptures. You think maybe the world is becoming more like the apostolic church? Or do you think the church is under threat of becoming more like the world? It's really interesting to, to read these, these surveys of what people actually believe and don't believe anymore. Where did they get that idea? By departing from the truth. Or as Paul calls it, swerving. Swerving from the truth. We need the word of God. We need the guidance of heaven. And we need it. And uh, Highlanders, Highlanders, I want to promise you yet again that we will do, we will, we will dedicate ourselves to careful study and you know what we'll dedicate ourselves to being corrected too you understand questions are always appreciated here and even if you want to disagree it's appreciated here come let us reason together let us have the truth but let the truth not be a man's opinion or a woman's opinion let the truth be from god's word and we'll try to practically land that truth practically in your new life in christ so let me close by reading the, uh, take your bulletin out, Psalm 19, again, that, uh, that Josh read. And, and this is just about why we need the Bible. And the law of the Lord is not talking about the Ten Commandments here necessarily. It's talking about the Word. Listen to this and we'll close. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple the precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules, the statutes of the Lord are true, and they are righteous altogether. More desired is the word of God than gold, even fine gold, sweeter than honey. And the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. And in keeping them is great reward. Words that hurt. Words that heal. Let's pray. Lord, of course we would want to listen to you if you appeared to us. And said there were things you especially wanted to say to us. Thank you that you have spoken. Thank you that your word is God breathed. 
It is inspired and inerrant and infallible. The only rule of faith and practice, the only rule that we can count on every time. And God, here we are. We are thoroughly modern 2017 people. And we are online and we are a part of global communication and we're glad to be. We're thankful for these technological advances. But here we are, God, with a thousand and one messages poured into our ears and eyes every single day. Would you give us a heart, a desire, a willingness to make certain that we get intake of your word? That we would imbibe, that we would take in the words that heal, that all point to Jesus and that you would lift up Jesus in our lives. That we would yet be integrated with grace, that we would yet be non-fragmented, yet integrated with who we are as people and, and who we are in the world and how you want to bring your mercy, grace and truth to the world. Lord, would you give us a love and a desire for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.